0: Yeah. So to be able to transition, I knew that I need to be able to make like a certain amount of money to a, cover materials, to cover anything that would happen and then also still be able to pay myself at the same level. Like I didn't want to take a step back. So I just kind of did the math and like I was like, hey, if, this year I can do 10K a month, that would be the indicator that I can do it.
1: A dollar and 49 cents for an entire year. That's a ridiculous deal. I actually had to double check to make sure. But yeah, that's what it is you can get a Woodworkers Guild of America Premium Membership for $1.49 for the full year. Not every month, the full year. That's unlimited access to hundreds of step-by-step instructional woodworking videos, exclusive access to live-streamed events with expert woodworkers, and more. With new videos every week and an outrageously large back catalog, this membership has all your woodworking needs covered. It's an easy deal to get. All you need to do is use this link. go.wwgoa.com Ethan. A membership like this is normally $88 for the year, but don't worry, I got you the deal of a lifetime. Just use this link and your code is automatically applied. So go to go.wwgoa.com Ethan and see for yourself all the benefits you get with a premium guild membership. Last time, go.wwgoa.com slash Ethan for only $1.49. Enjoy! Introducing Astra HP, the newest high-performance innovation in cutting-edge technology from Bits and Bits. Let me tell you what's new about it. It's incredibly thin, measuring at just 0.3 microns. It's also tougher than ever, with an impressive 5,000 Vickers hardness. And it's specially designed to reduce friction and heat buildup, leading to cleaner cuts and longer tool life. Available now on all their newest Spiral CNC bits and router bits. So if you want to check it out yourself, go to bitsbits.com. That's B-I-T-S, B-I-T-S, dot com. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Tim Holland, owner of TH Custom Woodwork. Back in 2013, when Tim started selling furniture, it was just something to do for family and friends. But as his skills grew, so did the demand for his work. And now, what started as a fun side business has been his full-time job for years. But as client projects grow, so does the demand on one's time. And as a one-person shop, a family man, and someone who rarely says no to projects, Tim's time has to stretch in a lot of ways. So follow along as we talk about planning out your weeks, answering the phone, how to price quickly, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Tim's story in his own words.
0: When I bought my first house, my parents also bought a college at the same time, and they had no furniture for it. They sent me a picture of like a one of those barnwood headboards back from ten years ago that everybody was doing, and they were going to buy it for like quite a bit of money. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, "No, I can. We can definitely do it." I've never done it, any, built anything really, <laughs> but I was like, "No, we can do it." So we went on Facebook or make marketplace or Kijiji, Craigslist at the time. I think had it's Kijiji. Um, we found a guy selling barnwood for like I don't know ten bucks a board, and we just slapped it together one day, um, posted a picture of it and people were asking if they could get one and then just kept selling them for like 300 bucks at that point. And then eventually it turned into like, oh, can, you can make that. Can you make Can you make a table? Can you make a side table? Can you make a bed? And I just would never say no. So even though I didn't know, I had nothing, no tools, I had like a drill and uh, my dad's slider saw and like we just kept doing it and then slowly added to it. Ever since then, I think I've said no to probably about four jobs one was just like trim carpentry outside which i don't really do that stuff and ever since then so every time it's kind of like flying by the seat of my pants but now i'm comfortable with majority of what i'm doing so i'm at a spot where i'm pretty good at everything now it's
1: been what 10 years now eight years something like that so why did you think you could build that first piece of furniture what what possessed you with no tools no experience nothing to say yeah i could do that
0: i don't Really, no. I just I remember them sending it to me. And I've been at that time I was working at a well, I worked at a high tech company for a long time just doing facilities. and I had a lot of downtime, um, just in between like requests or whatnot. So I'd be just watching YouTube and I had been seeing a lot of people building the barn with stuff. I'm like, oh, it's really not that much to it. It's so like a couple boards, cut the size, two by six on the back to, as legs, and then there you go. So, like, oh, we can definitely do it. Like, it's simple, we don't have to pay a thousand dollars
1: for it. Yeah, that's how it went. <laughs> did you enjoy that first project or was it stressful? And the first one was good. I did with my
0: parents. Um, So it was like pretty straightforward. We just did it on the garage floor at the cottage, Um, whipped it together in like probably two hours, not even an hour maybe. And then, it's still there, actually, to this day, so it's good. It's good enough, yeah.
1: And then you kept selling them. You said you were selling more and more, and then you started making more and more pieces of furniture for for clients. And when was the point that you said, oh, I'm a furniture maker. This is a furniture business. I could do this as a business.
0: Yeah, actually, that didn't come for until, like, a long time. Like, I was doing it part kind of really on the side where I'd do, like, a couple... Couple of orders, maybe a year, like seven thousand dollars a year or something, just to kind of get more tools. So I just bought my house too, so I was looking to get more tools, and I was like, oh, so I can fund that at least. But then, when I really thought I was doing well, it was probably about five or six years later. Where I was like, okay, this is it. When I there was a couple of big pieces I put out that didn't go off, like they went off with no issues. They turned out like better than I could have hoped for, and they looked like they belonged in a magazine. I was like, okay, this is it. So then I started thinking of, okay, maybe in the future I can go full time with it if I can get the orders up and.
1: Go from there. You had that long stretch of doing it part-time, just building, and and maybe you weren't thinking about going full-time, but you were you were building towards something, and then you decided to go full-time. Yeah. What did you start doing when you said, Oh, this is what I want to be doing? You had already established yourself as somebody who could build things, but what did you start doing on the business end? to be able to transition going into full time working for yourself and building furniture?
0: Yeah. So to be able to transition, I knew that I need to be able to make like a certain amount of money in the year to cover like, because right at that point, I still had my salary from my other job. And I was just all the money for the business was going to tools and whatever I wanted based on that end. But I knew that I need to make like a certain amount of money to a cover materials to cover anything that would happen and then also still be able to pay myself at the same level. Like I didn't want to take a step back in terms of like quality of life at that point, because we were having a kid and so I just kind of did the math and like, I was like, Hey, if this year I can do part-time, if I can get up to like, I can't remember what the number was, but like 10 K a month or something part-time Then I'm like, that would be the, the kind of the indicator that I can do it. And then I, pretty much within a year I hit that. And the plan was it was during COVID or right before COVID. I was like, I was, my plan was at the beginning of COVID before it started at two years where I was going to, I was like, okay, hey, I'll give myself two years to kind of do that. But then COVID obviously ramped up crazy here where, uh, Basically, I could put someone request something, I could put a price on it, and they would say, Sure, everything was approved. So, within a year, I decided to quit <laughs> my job and go full time at that point. So, it was really, I just had to make sure that I could get the right amount of work through. So, I was talk, talking to oh, like family friends, obviously, and like all their acquaintances, but then I had a couple of designers. And a couple other clients already done work for. It. They kept funneling me things. And I had a couple contractors that kept giving me stuff. And then I did a ton of Facebook. A lot of it was Marketplace in the beginning. And I would get in with – I, would do, I did, did mantles mainly, um, mantles and tables. But mantles were my way in with most people because they're like, I could get them for – sell them for three or $400 each. But then they would – but there would be like Barbie mantles or Phoebe mantles, um, like White Oak and all that. And it kind of would get me in the door with a lot of people and then once it showed up installed like oh can you do this can you do that and then it would just go from there basically
1: you said that you're not really saying no to a lot of projects yeah you're taking on every project that that comes your way basically as a one-person shop how are you dealing with all types of different custom projects in in different types of woods and different types of styles and different types of of everything and also needing to build things with a quick enough turnaround to be able to continuously get work and get money coming into the business. Yeah. So that is, has, has been a bit of a downfall. Like I would say it works great
0: for like expanding my abilities, showing big profile work and getting more jobs, but it has like the the productivity, like getting things out the door is my number one, like issue on like the, the bad months or whatever. Like I can get it all out typically, but it has, there's been months where it's been and the problem i recognize that so i'm working on fixing that but i also steer people towards kind of what i want to be doing um so if they come to me like i want a table i want to be i like okay what color of table i don't ever ask them like what type of wood really i say do you want light medium or dark so then they kind of like i want a medium table okay that's white oak probably and then if they say dark it's a walnut table or if they want light then i'm like hey maple or ash and kind of go that way so i steer them towards a certain type of material and then i send i if they don't have an idea i'll send them pictures of designs that could work so I kinda of steer the conversation in the direction I want to go and kinda of help them move to where I want to. Obviously it doesn't always work. Like if I get somebody who wants a very custom thing, whether just a cabinetry project or whatnot, then I have to kinda of go off of what they want. But then you just price it accordingly in that sense. You try to you have to up the price. Like if it is one offs, the price has to get higher from from me
1: at my end at least. How are you scheduling your days because as a one-person shop and as somebody who's getting a lot of business like you are, there's a lot of things to juggle. How are you balancing the new clients and coming up with designs and talking with people and, and walking people through a new project, but also building projects at the same time and also delivering projects or scheduling shipping for things to go out the door?
0: Yeah, it's hectic for sure. Um I try on Sunday nights to get like a, okay, see what's coming up for the week, schedule out when, what days I'll be in the shop, what days I'll do a delivery or an install if it's going to be a couple of days. But then obviously, or I'll, or I'll go right, right after I drop the kids at daycare, I'll go and grab materials from a place that's only like 30 minutes away. And then I can be back at the shop by 10 and then work until four. And then in the evenings I'll do a lot of my backend stuff following up with people, um, some emails. But then there's days or weeks where it's just like I'm straight – like this week right now, I'm straight in the shop pretty much every single day. And then next week will be probably a full week of deliveries and installs just because of the
1: the season of how it is. So, yeah. Do you find that you work better on deadlines, sort of more more crazy deadlines where everything needs to happen at the same time? Or do you feel like you work better with a very regimented, scheduled – this has to go now, this has to go now, this has to go now. Because yeah. I know people who succeed working in the frantic, crazy, everything happening at once. And I know people who succeed in the everything scheduled, everything planned out. What what works for you?
0: It's kind of in between. So like typically, let's say I have like 20 orders on the go. I go through the list and like five of them will be mantles, five of them will be tables, and the rest will be kind of one off of other things. I'll try to schedule like a week of like, hey, this week we're going to do all the mantles and get them out. And then this week we'll kind of work on milling all the lumber for the table. So it's like, it feels like a slow process, but you're kind of batching everything out at once. So like right now, like yesterday I was milling wood for three tables, a coffee table and something else. But then today is assembly of all that stuff into the panels at least, or most of them in fact what I couldn't get to yesterday. But then other times it'll be... It really depends like if somebody's got a deadline then i do work really well with a deadline if some if i don't get deadlines from clients when they need things and those always seem to get get pushed which is not great on my end but it does if somebody gives i always ask for deadlines now because it's just how i've learned to grow like deal with my kind of how i schedule things if you give me a deadline i need by april 25th then i'll get it by april 25th like
1: that's how i work (laughs) how are you organizing everything because say you have 20 jobs going at the same time and you want to be batching some of them out and you want to be assembling some of them at the same time and they all have different due dates but you need to do it at the exact same time because that's the workflow to make sure things get done what's your organization process of Mm -hmm. knowing when each project knowing when each part of each project needs to be done
0: yeah, so whenever a client puts in an order pretty much, I it all goes into this big list on my Excel, um, just kind of like money in, money out, order list and all that. And it has their name, their job size, and any kind of special notes I would have about it, and delivery date, ideal delivery date. So I kind of schedule things that way. Um, and at, every Sunday, kind of that just, uh, list gets moved around a little bit depending on when things are, what process they're in or what stages are in of the process. Um it's pretty fluid. It's not like regimented at all. It's kind of if if something needs to get done faster, it gets bumped up. If something if I can batch a bunch of stuff out, they get batched together. And then every Sunday or Monday morning, it'll get, kind of get adjusted. Not by much. Like maybe one will get pushed to a week off and then the other one will get bumped up a week if things are going slower. It's just kind of it's pretty fluid. Like I can't be too strict. Like I, If I had another person in the shop, then I could be like, okay, this is the list. You just keep working off of it. But with me, like if I get pulled off to go to a client, like today this morning, I was Picking up material, then I had a client meeting um, to go over a bunch of projects. And then I'm in the shop trying to get stuff done. Then I got a couple other meetings on the phone. So, kind of, and they, and those all pop up like the day before. So you kind of have to be fluid with how you're scheduling things, at least
1: right now. Talking about picking up materials, with the fast turnover that you have, are you stockpiling materials? Because you are pushing people towards specific wood types. It doesn't always work, you said, but you do kind of. Yeah. Aim people in the direction of what you want to be building. Are you are you stockpiling your materials so you can do a quick turnaround, or are you getting everything to order? Um, most so I stockpile a lot of walnut, white oak um
0: maple and ash sometimes like those are the four main ones i pretty much always have at least 50 board feet on hand if not more so I, but i order them in like 100 to 150 typically and they're always on hand right now i'm a little low because it's just at the end of the year but yeah typically i try to keep that stuff and then i always whenever a good deal comes up i sn- snatch it up and i'll just keep i try to stockpile as much as i can because i the less trips to the store is to save time honestly it's no matter what it's at least a two-hour section of your day half an hour there half hour back plus an hour in the shop so no matter what it's going to be a but it comes up, I schedule it in too if I have to head to the store and I try to also buy in bulk and then get some deliveries and get deliveries in too also helps a lot with that where right? I can just order and they drop it off.
1: A question that I'm always fascinated about when I'm talking to people is about phone numbers on websites. And I know I, I've gotten a lot of emails about this and, and a lot of people talking about it, So there's a lot of opinions on it. But I want to talk with you about, you have a phone number on your website for your business and you actually go a step beyond that and have your shop address on your website as well. And I know it says hours by appointment only, but if you have an address or if you have a phone number, people call, people show up and that is out of your control. And as a A bigger shop when you have a lot of employees. If somebody comes by, you can talk with that client while your employees keep the work going. But if somebody just shows up to your shop or somebody calls, that really puts a big divot in your day. Can you talk about why you think it's good to have that information on there and how it's helped or hurt your business so far?
0: Yeah, for sure. So for the address, that's not a huge deal. I'm kind of farther out of the city, about like from city center, like 40 minutes per se. So people don't really make the trip unless they know that somebody will be around that they kind of take a look at. It's more of a residential area and they, they won't show up. Typically I've only ever had one time where somebody just shows up out of the blue, which is fine. Like they can, but can't guarantee that I'll be here. The phone number, the number one thing I've always in getting new clients has always been how quickly I can answer them. <laughs> it's phone call or email. If I can get to, if you can answer them, like, really fast, at least the hey, I'll get take a look at this in the next hour or so. I think that's the number one way I've, I was able to grow so quickly or be able to go full time so quickly is like I would be able to get those jobs where they maybe have asked three people or called three people. And if I was the one to answer, then I was the one who got the job. So that's kind of the way I've seen the number. Like I want to be the first person that they talk to, at least to put my name in the ring, but more accessible, the better. I'm fine with taking the 10 minutes out of my day to talk to anybody new, really.
1: You're showing that you want the clients, you're getting back to them, you're you're answering emails, you're answering phone calls. But what does it look like once you're actually talking with the client? How are you going through their project? How are you understanding it? And then how are you getting back to them with pricing and with actual designs for their pieces?
0: Yeah. So the first call is now that I do a lot more work, I do kind of weed out people who we might not be a perfect match anymore, but um, so the first call is seeing what they want, what their budget is, kind of what materials they are using, looking to use if it's a hardwood, softwood, whatever, what the actual project fully is. Um, if it's cabinetry or furniture, I lean heavily towards doing furniture where they're located. And then I kind of just get an idea of what they're looking for. So I get them to send me pictures after that via email of kind of inspiration pictures It's a great way to start. And then they send me maybe three or four pictures. I can kind of mock some sketches up, send them back to them with a rough estimate with material choices to so give them a couple options. And then uh, if they're good to go with that, I'll do a full design and get a deposit from them and get going from there.
1: When you ask somebody what their budget is, and I know people who have furniture companies experience this kind of call all the time where you say, what's your budget? And the client pushes back with, I don't know. I don't have a budget. I don't know how much something like this would cost. When you're weeding people out, but you get an answer like that, what's your response? Do you push forward and and make up a quote for the client? Or do you hold back and try and get a little bit more of the money question out of the way first?
0: Uh, I'll definitely... See what they're saying. Let's say they say, I want to build a table. I'm like, okay, how big of a table? Eight feet. Okay, okay. What color of wood? And then you choose the wood. You're like, okay, I've done it long enough that I know what the rough cost would be. So it's not fixed or anything. It can change still depending on design, whatever. But they're like, yeah, that's in my range. No problem. I'm like, okay, great. We can move forward. If they say, oh, that's way too expensive, then I'll say, well, I probably can't do it for around that. If you want to keep talking, maybe, but we'll have to see from there.
1: How are you? pricing things out because you have all this turnover you're building yes custom things and yes not saying no to projects so there's a lot of a lot of new things that you're building but you're also known for doing specific things you're known for doing certain types of furniture and that's why people keep calling you so mm-hmm. you probably have a good sense of what pricing looks like for that can you talk about your your pricing structure and how you're able to get that number quickly enough to the client, but also a number that's good enough that you're still making money on the projects.
0: Yeah. So I have a spreadsheet where I've put in basically as many of the parts of like what I'd be using, in it, like a either consumable or material or whatever it would be into a big list. And I just kind of, let's say I'm going to need, it's a table, I need 50 board feet of white oak. And I pull from my spreadsheet 50 times, whatever the price from the price list I have from my supplier is. 50 times that then plus 20% overage or like waste on that. And then I just start adding up all the consumables, all of like the nuts and hardware, whatever would need to be added into that. It all gets pulled down to the full for a total price of what that number would be like total materials basically. And then it's my hourly rate, $75 an hour times how many hours it would be. That gets added together and then a little bit of extra, like I think it's fifteen percent for a profit or whatever. but. So basically, it's yeah materials with a little bit, uh, materials hours, and then profit, yeah,
1: I can hear in the background that you the wind is whipping, and I know that yeah. that it gets cold there and and wood does have issues in extreme environments. how mm-hmm. are you making sure the pieces you build either don't have those issues or if they do have those issues, what's your maintenance policy on? furniture that you're building so i tell everybody that if you can keep your furniture in like
0: a climate controlled house that'd be ideal obviously with humidity control and all that it's not always you can't control that really for everybody um i use only kiln dried wood for the most part rarely do i use air dried just to help with that for my peace of mind if it's my personal furniture i would build with whatever as long as i know it's dry but when it's in someone else's house i don't know how it's going to go through so i try to use only kiln dried stuff um If it does happen to warp, I've only had it happen, I think, twice. One was on a beam mantle where it was just from an old barn and it split, unfortunately. And then another was a set of counters from another reclaimed beam. So, like, once again, it was the reclaimed stuff that I can't guarantee was kiln dried. So then the countertops on that warped upwards. So then I, uh, yeah, I replaced it. Uh, I'll always replace everything if it's... If it fails because of that, the only times I will have to charge for repairs or replacements if it's intentional damage or like kids scratching rocks through something or whatnot. But if it's from my end, I'll fix it. Yeah, 100%.
1: You started back in 2013 and you were doing work for family and friends. And then it grew and grew and friends of friends and friends of friends of friends. And that's what word of mouth is. And Mm -hmm. you can't really speak to how you got word of mouth to start because it's just talking with people and it's just sharing your work and and if it's good enough, then people are going to share it. So we don't have to go into that, but I do want to talk about how you're getting clients another way. In 2021, you won Best of Ottawa for your furniture and Mm -hmm. that in itself is a big deal, but you need to take that and do more with it winning an award is always great and you get that initial bump and for people who are seeing that but you also need to showcase that in a way that clients are seeing that and people who are looking at your furniture company and other furniture companies you need to showcase that to stand out from the rest yeah what was your approach to taking an award like that and turning it into new business
0: Honestly, right now I post, I, I'm like pretty active on social media and I try to stay like local with it. Like it does, you get the once one-off like viral, whatever reels and posts and all that. But I try to stay local so that when, and I post a lot about projects are going in the process just so that when people come across, let's say they come across that award, they don't really know who I am initially, but then they can go look through what all the work I've done. They see it's all current. Kind of helps them see that it's like it's a valid thing to get, and then also I do like I try to stay heavily focused as showing people everything instead of a lot of people, a lot of companies I know that are still like they still work and maybe they have good clients uh, relationships with like some architects or designers, but you never see them see what their work is you can, unless you talk to them directly. But you can't go to their website; doesn't hasn't been updated in a while, or their social media has nothing on it. But you so you don't know if they're actually still working or like what their what their work is right now. Sure, you know three years ago what they were doing, but it's that's how I try to
1: make it current always. Staying current to stay in the conversation, but it's also that weird behind the scenes of you're doing work for a client and they're watching it be made, and they're seeing the guts of it, and they're seeing everything that's going into it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's not when a client's watching you build something in real time. How do you post on social media and stay active, but at the same time, not show the clients that you're building for exactly every part of your process that you're doing?
0: Yeah, so I'll show... So a lot of... If I'm doing like little videos or whatever, it'll be mostly on... like a certain part of the process. You're never seeing the full product. You don't really know what project I'm working on per se, like doing threaded inserts or like inlays or whatever, just a really small, like joining some slabs together or whatever it is, just really small parts of it. And then afterwards, like after I've delivered it, I'll start posting the the things where you can see what how it all came together so that, cause I have had it where, yeah, you're posting too much not that you're posting too much, but your people are seeing that in between stages and they, they're like, well, that doesn't look like it's a good piece of wood, but like it's in rough form. So like they don't understand that there's still the milling and the sanding and the finishing. So like, I yeah, like I've had that issue before, but you, I try to just kind of show the close up stuff. And then afterwards, once they've seen the final thing, they're very happy with it. I could
1: show how we got to that point. You've been building since 2013, like I said, not all the time, full time, but building is building and and building a business physically making furniture, and also selling things. Even when you were part-time, you were selling things. So you have a pretty solid foundation in this industry. For people who are just starting out now, or for people who have been doing it for a while and want to get better, what advice could you share that's really helped you shape your business so far? So there'd be one thing that I wish I had done was uh, when I started out, I wish I had got it or just like,
0: got some sort of part-time job or full-time job working for somebody who was already in the business, um, just really would have helped just figure out like skip a lot of the mistakes that you make just in building a, if you don't know what you're doing, if you never didn't go to school for it or whatnot, but then also on the business side, you can see how to quote, you can see how install should go. You should see how all that stuff happens. It would take a huge headache out of your life. If, if you're trying to start out, if you're already in it, um, you can still do that, but I'd also just read as much as you can or watch as much YouTube videos on whatever you're trying to do. Pretty much if I, always, if I ever got a project that I didn't know what to do, it would be straight to YouTube and then, or internet, trying to Google, whatever you can find. Find like 18 people who've done it, see how they all did it. And then it's so like floating shells, for example, there's a billion ways to do it. And then each one has its flaws and each one has its positives, but you gotta figure out which one's the best way for you and what would actually work and what's quick and efficient and also strong. So you just got to really research what you're doing first and then try it out a couple of times. I always did a ton for my my personal house and then if it worked, great. If it didn't, then at least I know why.
1: <laughs> you are you are always the best client because yeah. if it falls apart, then not a big deal. <laughs> you only have yourself to blame. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for for sharing all that and all your advice and I do appreciate it, and I appreciate your time and wish you nothing but success moving forward in your business. Great. Thanks. It's great talking to you, too. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com, and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to... Hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at the build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show, and can't wait to bring you the next one.